Alistair's spin to Spain in memory of the late Ruth Staines has raised €32,500. Article by Elizabeth Lee The boyfriend of a 31-year-old woman who died from motor neuron disease in April has just set off on a gruelling 2,750-kilometre journey from Dublin to Nerja in Spain in her memory. He has also raised a staggering €32,665 in aid of the Irish Motor Neuron Association to thank them for the brilliant care and support that they gave to the family. Alistair Anderson's gorgeous partner Ruth Staines passed away on the 3rd of April at home in Baltinglass, County Wicklow, after being diagnosed with the horrific illness in May of last year. Ruth and Alistair originally met when they were both working in Nerja in Spain, when he was immediately smitten by her abundant energy and sheer love of life and adventure. Nerja is a beautiful whitewashed town on the Andalusian coast, and this is where I first met Ruth. I worked in a local bar, and Ruth quickly became a regular. I remember I offered to walk her home maybe the first night we met. I must have seemed dodgy because I later found out she lived on the next street, Alistair recalled. Ruth was the daughter of Jean and the late Liam and had three brothers, Stephen, Mark and Lou. She loved to travel and lived all over the world, but it was Nerha where she lived for several years before returning to Ireland in 2017. Along with Ruth's family and her friend Aisha, Alistair was Ruth's key carer and so saw how fast and fatally motor neuron disease took over her life. They also saw how valuable the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association is, and so Alistair wanted to repay the kindness and respect they showed Ruth. Without them, we would have been lost. The support they provided to Ruth throughout her illness allowed her to live a much more comfortable life. From mobility and wheelchairs, nursing, home care support, counselling, these were all critical services they depended on, he pointed out. I can't thank them enough for the speed with which they moved, as time sadly was never on Ruthie's side. All of these services cost money, however, and I'm aiming to do my bit to support these services by raising vital funds for IMNDA, Alistair explained. On Friday, he set off from Stony Batter in Dublin, where Ruth's family is originally from, and cycled to Baltinglass, where he spent time with her family. On Sunday, he was accompanied by Ruth's brother Mark and her friend Kevin Wall as he cycled down to Rosslare before taking the ferry to Wales. Later this week, Ruth's brother Stephen will cycle with Alistair across the south of England before the intrepid cyclist tackles the French and Spanish route. My aim is to cycle from Dublin all the way to Nerja, Spain. This will be a 2,750-kilometre journey. Eventually, the aim is to end up in Nerja on the southeast coast of Spain around mid-July, fingers crossed, he said. I'm asking that you all dig deep in your pockets to donate for this amazing cause. All donations go straight to the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association. To donate, go to Alistair's Dublin to Nerja page on the Just Giving website. NPA cancels trade show at the ploughing, article by Suzanne Pender. The National Ploughing Executive, the NPA, has made the difficult decision to cancel the 2021 trade exhibition. 
The decision comes following months of monitoring the COVID-19 situation and taking into account the government's updated roadmap for the next few months. Given the sheer scale of the National Ploughing Championships, with 297,000 attendees at Ballantrae and Fenna in 2019, and the lack of clarity about what COVID restrictions and regulations will look like in September for outdoor events. It was felt that cancelling the 1700 trade exhibitor event was the only option. The ploughing competitions will however still go ahead at the site in Rataniska, County Leash. It's a massive disappointment to the association to have to cancel the trade exhibition two years in a row. In particular, when you consider the estimated annual economic impact of 50 million euro that will be lost to the Irish economy, said NPA Managing Director Anna May McHugh. Our exhibitors and our patrons have been very loyal over the years and we look forward to bringing the exhibition back at its full potential in 2022. We will run our national ploughing competitions this year and hopefully we can welcome some visitors pending regulations. The NPA pointed out that public health and safety is of paramount importance to the association and unless it was confident the trade exhibition could go ahead without causing any risk to exhibitors, competitors and visitors, it would not be feasible. As the timeline to start site works is imminent, the NPA simply just could not wait any longer to make a decision. The World Ploughing Contest, due to be held in Ireland to celebrate the 90th anniversary of the NPA attracting visitors from 30 countries, was also cancelled, given the extent of current international travel restrictions. The NPA has also confirmed that the event will return to Rataniska in 2022 from the 20th to the 22nd of September. Council urged to take a hard line on Tullow Warehouse. Article by Suzanne Pender. The council was urged to rule with an iron fist when it comes to rigorously enforcing the planning laws, as concerns over the development of a massive warehouse in Tullow escalated last week. Carlo Warehousing Limited, owned by Ned Nolan, has been served with two enforcement orders by Carlo County Council, demanding that the company removes a mound of clay known as a berm that surrounds the Lynx housing estate in Tullow, as well as spike-topped railings. The council insists both the berm and the style of fence chosen are in breach of the planning permission granted to Carlo Warehousing Limited by onboard Planola in October 2020. The matter was raised by Councillor Brian O'Donoghue at last week's online meeting of Carlow County Council, despite repeated attempts by the council executive to shut the discussion down. The executive insisted that a live planning matter could not be discussed or commented on, but Councillor Brian O'Donoghue was adamant that, understanding orders, members are entitled to use their full speaking time of five minutes to raise an important matter. Cahirlach Tom O'Neill allowed the discussion, but timed the five minutes allotted, and then, on several occasions when it had elapsed, attempted to end Councillor O'Donoghue's prepared statement on the matter. Undeterred, Councillor O'Donoghue continued. Councillor O'Donoghue called on the Council Executive to fully accept that enforcement is an essential part of the planning process, and to confirm that they would pursue enforcement to the letter of the law, no matter who or what. 
He then at length outlined the background to Carlow Warehousing Limited's application for planning to construct a warehouse of almost 33,000 square metres at Tullow Beg Tullow. The warehouse will act as a storage unit for international retailer Smith's Toys, promising 100 jobs and additional employment during the construction phase. Councillor O'Donoghue stated that from the outset he had concerns about the development and the fact that this monstrosity was being shoved down our throats. He stated his belief that residents of the Lynx Tullow were sold a pup and spoke passionately about the situation they now face with this horrific fence and the berm directly behind their homes. Councillor O'Donoghue stated that residents did not object to the jobs that the development would bring but were adamant that the two enforcement orders issued by the council must be followed. He encouraged a strong united approach from the council that this would not be tolerated and stressed that council officials must rule with an iron fist. Councillor O'Donoghue also urged the developer to remove the fence and fully comply with the enforcement and asked any council members with a direct line of communication to the developer to urge him to comply. Director of Services Michael Rainey stated he could confirm that enforcement was an essential function of the planning process, but added it was not possible or appropriate to speak on a matter when notice has been served. Councillor Charlie Murphy stated that he was not asking for any participation from the council executive, but matters were out in the public domain. He continued that there had not been a block on a block yet and already there seems to be two breaches of planning. Councillor Murphy reflected that, in his opinion, it now looked like Carlow County Council should damn this application out of hand. A clearly uncomfortable Mr Rainey again stressed that members really should not be discussing this at all. Councillor John MacDonald then confirmed that there is a line of communication open with the developer adding, leave us to do our work if possible. A concerned councillor, Andrea Dalton, expressed her objections to the content of the discussion, adding that a dangerous precedent had been set where members were allowed to rehash planning decisions at a council meeting. She stated that irrespective of this or any other particular case, or indeed its merits, there is a reason why councillors are outside the planning process, and insisted that, Procedures needed to be followed. It's disgraceful what happened today, the blurring of the lines with the council executive, and I don't think it should be allowed at a council meeting, she stated. Roaming horses will be seized. Article by Suzanne Penner. Horses can no longer roam freely on the county's public spaces and will be seized immediately if they pose a danger, according to robust new bylaws. Carlow County Council unanimously voted in favour of new horse bylaws at their online meeting last week. The bylaws state that all horses found on public lands must be chipped and identifiable, can be seized if they pose a danger or a nuisance to public health and safety, and will be humanely destroyed if found by a veterinarian or inspector to be in pain or distress to such an extent that it is in the best interests of their medical welfare. Councillor Arthur MacDonald proposed the new bylaws, adding that the matter had been fully discussed by the Council's Strategic Policy Committee, the SPC, 
and had also sought and received submissions from the public. Councillor Adrienne Wallace stated that she had a number of issues with the bylaws. She questioned whether the bylaws were a blanket ban on public grazing and stated her belief that the welfare of horses was not to the forefront of these draft bylaws. She also sought assurances that no healthy horse will be put down. Councillor Wallace believed the needs of the traveller community were not being taken into account and spoke of the unforeseen consequences of the bylaws, possibly even leading to court action. She urged the council to bring the bylaws back to the drawing board. Councillor Andrea Dalton stated that the council had sought legal advice on the bylaws and that they only dealt with horses that were causing a nuisance or danger to public safety. We are not penalising horse owners, Councillor Dalton said. Michael Brennan, Director of Services, insisted the bylaws had been discussed and teased out at the SPC. This is not a blanket ban, he said. He stated that legal advice was sought and the bylaws had also been examined by the Department of Agriculture. Mr Brennan clarified that horses would be humanely destroyed only as a last resort where their medical welfare had been fully assessed by a veterinarian or inspector. Councillor MacDonald said the bylaws were considered as a protection to the general public and that the wording selected had been very fair. Carlow County Council is not only to take horses, they only take horses where they are treated badly or they are causing a danger to the public. I can see no issue with this bylaw, he said. Councillor Finton Phelan stated that the reason these bylaws were considered was because in many locations in Carlow Town, horses are allowed to roam freely on green spaces, posing a huge risk, a health and safety concern for children that simply cannot be allowed. Horses cannot be allowed to roam freely in green spaces. That is completely unacceptable and it's about time the council tackled the issue, said Councillor Phelan. Councillor Charlie Murphy supported the bylaws and spoke of horses roaming on the N80 at night. He stated that he knew of cases where people had been kicked by a horse in green areas, adding that a kick from a horse can often be pearly gates time. Councillor Wallace sought further assurances that the bylaws would only be implemented in the case of mistreated horses or if it was a matter of public safety. That is very clear under section 47. If horses are causing a nuisance or danger to persons and property, stated Mr Brennan. The bylaws were seconded by Councillor John Murphy and in a roll call vote were passed unanimously. Buyer found for Browns Hill House article by Charlie Keegan. One of County Carlow's stately homes, Browns Hill House, located on the outskirts of Carlow Town, is in the process of being sold for an undisclosed sum. Joe Tully, well-known Carlow travel agent who is the executor of the property, confirmed to the Nationalist that a booking deposit has been placed on the property, adding that the deposit is fully refundable. Mr Tully said he has no idea who the potential purchaser is, adding that the property is being bought in trust. It is understood that the house has been purchased in trust for an unnamed buyer. Joe Tully added, I would say the sale won't be completed until the year's end. The joint selling agents for Browns Hill House are John Dawson of Real Estate Alliance, Barrick Street Tullow 
and David Ashmore from Sotheby's International Realty. The mid-Georgian mansion, positioned overlooking Carlow Town and providing a panoramic view of the town and its hinterland, went on the market with an asking price of €990,000. Contracts have gone out for signing by both parties to the proposed sale. Brownshill House was last owned and occupied as the family home of the late Frank Tully, travel agent, and father of the executor. Daft.ie described the accommodation within the house as extending to some 14,111 square feet, 1,311 square metres, and including five principal reception rooms and 16 bedrooms. The stable yard extends to some 14,118 square feet, 1,312 square metres, and includes two apartments providing an additional five bedrooms. The daft.ie website stated, While the entire property requires restoration, the structures appeared plumb and there is great potential. In his book The Carlo Gentry, local author Jimmy O'Toole stated that Brown's Hill House was completed by Robert Brown II, 1729 to 1816, in 1763, a year after he married Eleanor Morris, daughter of a Dublin MP. There followed a total of eight generations of occupancy of the house by the Browns, stretching over three centuries. In the 1950s, W. H. Harold, an extensive grain farmer from Norfolk, his brother and another partner, spent over €70,000 on 2,100 acres of prime land in Carlow, which included the Oak Park estate. This sparked a wave of anger among small farmers that led to a bitter campaign among small-sized farm holders. The Browns Hill saga was part of what was dubbed as the Carlow Land War by the media, and at the time attracted local, national and international newspaper, radio and television coverage. When a bullet was sent in the post to W. H. Harold, he decided discretion was the better part of valour and decided to sell the land. Harold subsequently sold the land to the Irish Land Commission. Brownshill House then came into local ownership through its purchase by Frank Tully, father of the executor, who lived at the residence up to his death. Photo Society exhibition starts on Friday. Carlo Photographic Society will hold its annual exposure exhibition virtually this year, starting on Friday. This year they are exhibiting the images from 35 members spaced out over the week, five images per member in total, and it is being run in aid of Aged Cancer Services in Carlow. It will be run through the group's Facebook page and Instagram, and will go on for a full week. A donate button will be available for those who would like to make a donation to this great charity. The Photography Club has been active through the pandemic, virtually through Zoom and recently held its annual awards. For more information, check out its Facebook page. Berlin-born sculptor to make Tyndall Monument. Article by Charlie Keegan. Berlin-born sculptor Ralph Sander has won the prestigious commission to provide the planned memorial to John Tyndall, the distinguished Lachlan Bridge-born scientist, educationalist, mountaineer and controversialist. Sander was selected from a total of 19 public art submissions for the sculpture, which is being undertaken with a budget of €98,000. 
The sculpture will be located in the Garden of Remembrance in Tyndall's native Barrowside village. The commissioning of the artist was undertaken by Carlow County Council's Public Art Working Group. Sinead Dowling, Arts Officer with Carlow County Council, is leading in an advisory capacity the Tyndall project for the local authority. She told the Nationalist there had been outstanding cooperation between the Lachlan Bridge community and the County Council on the Tyndall project and that the local people had a significant input into writing the brief for the artists. She said, Working with the community in this way makes for a more compelling project and enables local ownership, which is critically important in public art commissioning. While the expenditure of €98,000 on an arts project might normally attract some public criticism, people might wonder why the money was not spent on road repairs or some other aspect of council works, this was not the case when it came to honouring John Tyndall by the Lachlan Bridge community. The arts officer commented, What's really important is this community-sourced money for public art is what the local community wanted. Ms Dowling said there had been 19 artist applicants for the Tyndall project, all of which had been of a very high standard. The quality of the brief had been very thought out and on behalf of the Carlow County Council Public Art Working Group, we worked so well with the community with the result that what we got back in terms of applications for the Lachlan Bridge Commission was of the highest quality. That number of 19 was shortlisted to 5. It was amazing that the entire selection panel came up with the same name, Ralph Sander. The panel members from Lachlan Bridge, all members of the local improvement group, were Councillor Michael Dorn, Chairman, and John Meany, and Martin Nevin, who has conducted significant research into the life and works of John Tyndall. Besides Sinead Dowling, Carlow County Council was represented on the selection panel by Brian O'Donovan, Senior Executive Officer, representing the community section of the local authority, and Kieran Cullinan, Senior Engineer with the Council. Sinead Dowling stated that the external members of the panel were chaired by Catherine Marshall, the former senior curator of the Irish Museum of Modern Art, art historian, critical writer and co-author of a huge body of work on Irish art and architecture from the early Middle Ages to the end of the 20th century. The arts officer concluded, It was also important to have an independent accomplished artist on the panel and that role was filled by Eileen McDonough, sculptor from Sligo, whose Medusa tree sculptor was commissioned through the County Council Public Art Working Group and is sited outside the visual in Carlow. Ralph Sander, who lives and works in Belfast and Berlin, will use a contemporary visual language to inform about Tyndall's achievements. Aged 57, he is a graduate in fine arts sculptor from the University of Art, Berlin. The project will feature two parallel granite pillars made of blue Carlo limestone in a reference to alpinism and Tyndall's glaciological studies and work. The huge mirror in between these granite pillars will be made of highly durable marine grade 316 stainless steel. There will be historic images on the glass plate as a link to early photography. There will be bronze relief on the back to the back of the glass plate providing a link to Victorian art. The back of the sculpture will be educative and a clear link to Tyndall's time and will describe the major achievements and discoveries of the Lachlan native. 
The sculpture will also contain a small vessel containing water with particles for optimal refraction to demonstrate the Tyndall effect and simulate the magic blue light in some caves by the sea. A bronze bust of Tyndall, 1820-1893, situated on a limestone pedestal, will be positioned on the rear side of the installation. The sculptor will be basically maintenance-free, robust and highly durable. The glass used will be toughened constructive walkable glass. The size of the sculptor will be applied to the surrounding environment and human scale. The sculptor has provided what he considers to be a suitable location for the project in the Garden of Remembrance in Lachlan Bridge. Ralph Sanders stated, Tyndall's recurrent theme of light and water is highlighted within the concept. I want to redirect the viewer's gaze to possible inspirations for Tyndall's achievements. He continues, Then sculptor activates the physical terrain that exists around it, while at the same time bringing crucial attention to what is held above and behind the visible, a capacity that appears to have become increasingly rare in a world dominated by earthly eye-level distractions. He also stresses that Tyndall's poetry reveals much about him and about his relation to nature. The Lachlan Bridge Project is aiming to provide insight into the thinking and achievements of the man through juxtaposing enlightenment and contemporary artistic forms. Ralph Sander has realised 26 sculptors in the public realm. He was also commissioned to develop an artistic work and strategy for the landmark outdoor sculptor in the Pyeongchang Olympic Plaza for the 218 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games in South Korea.